1: Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. It's a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder. Did you know that?
0: (laughs) No, you build your
1: ass. (laughs) I screwed myself up. Now look what you've done. I've completely screwed myself up. I do this all the time. I've done this, what, 50 some (laughs) odd times, and now I completely lost my spot.
0: 52.
1: As I was saying for the first time, welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. It's not deja vu. You just didn't hear this two seconds ago. (laughs) A daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from Journal.com.
0: And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Minute.com.
1: Thanks for joining us for minute 53 of the Curse of the Black Pearl. I think I mentioned last week that we had a listener bring up the subject of a Facebook listeners group. It was this idea that a forum would allow better discussion than just a regular facebook page like we have now and we've also thought about it as well no we just haven't jumped in well one of us has the one who actually prepares for the show and does all the legwork if you remember i'm actually doing two parts i just throw my voice and pretend that there's a heather here but i'm really doing all this myself that's how talented i am yes that's how talented you are We're obviously drinking too much grog or wine or something in here today.
0: It was that wine tasting earlier today. That's true,
1: we were. But we are getting some great interaction with visitor posts on our Facebook page. And I think we're doing fairly well. We have probably over 1,500, 1,560 people on our Facebook page. So that's some great stuff. Who knows if they actually want to get more in depth if we did a listener group. But you don't know until you try. So we'll have to give that some more thought. See if we can get some more interaction. At least that those few people who really want to respond and correct all the stuff that well Heather says because we know it mine's is mostly, mostly <laughs> Mine's mostly gold. <laughs> Hers is kind of more that silver, uh, maybe fool's gold. Kind of iron pirate stuff going on there.
0: Arr, yeah. Pirate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you're an iron. You're an iron pirate. Pirate. Yes. Say that three times. No. But like I said, we're getting a lot of great interaction with visitor post, and maybe a Facebook group would definitely be something that could provide, you know, more interactive place to share all the things Pirates of the Caribbean, not just our mess ups and our screw-ups and all the things we left out and forgot to say. So I guess what I'm saying is, what does everybody think about that? Maybe we should do that. Let us know if we should start a listener group. Aye. Good one. And then you can hit us up at all the usual channels, email like podcast at Black Minute dot com twitter facebook all that kind of good stuff if so i'm thinking we could name it the pirates of the caribbean minute listeners crew that was actually i think from spencer who mentioned that one or pirates of the caribbean minute scallywags a listeners crew or how about pirates of the caribbean minutes cursed crew a listeners group or if you have another suggestion, give us a shout and we'll we'll see what we can do. But maybe we should start that going. Those visitor <laughs> posts could actually appear on a timeline. People could see them more, and then we could have better polls and that kind of stuff of what's going on. So it could be actually pretty fun to do.
0: Yeah. Or I.
1: I tell us what aye. you think. <laughs> or you know all those times that you just hear in Heather and she's saying something, you go, man, why doesn't Scott hit the walk the plank button? Walk the plank. You could just say it right on there, you know. Be something that could be immortalized on Facebook, on really? our in our forum. Yeah, it gives the people a chance to just say, "Heather, yeah."
0: What about you and your rambling?
1: My ramblings. Yeah. Oh, this is gold. Everything I say pretty much is gold <laughs> coming out. Like this. In the previous minute, Captain Jack Sparrow and Will Turner navigate the streets of Tortuga, avoiding all the usual chaos like gunshots, fighting, dragging behind carts, and the temptation to have a bit of free-flowing rum pouring from barrels. But he couldn't avoid a slap in the face by Scarlet, which he doesn't think he deserved. And wait, there's more. A slap from Giselle, which he probably earned. Jack and Will manage to find Gibbs, who's sleeping with the pigs, and convince him with a golden age of piracy riddle that the bad luck incurred by waking a sleepy man is solved with a mere drink. Aye. Aye. Minute 53 begins with Gibbs finishing his acceptance of Jack's request with, That'll about do it. Jack gives Gibbs a hand up, just as Will manages to douse him with a second bucket of water. <laughs> Blast! I'm already awake! Will quips back, Thanks for the Foley stuff again. It's been a few episodes that you actually jumped in with some Foley sounds. You almost have a job in Hollywood. I mean, it's Spielberg <laughs> or Bruckheimer or Gore Verbinski on their next I move. Mean, you need a Foley artist who actually... Is spot on to <laughs> this stuff. And they're your person. As I was saying, Will quips back, that's for the smell. The minute ends with the two hardened pirates and the scallywag newbie in the local tavern. Will standing watch while Jack and Gibbs talk over a pint. Or a tankard. Or both. Jack says all he needs is a crew, and Gibbs replies, What I hear tell of Captain Barbosa, he's not a man to. <gasps> dot,
0: dot, dot, dot.
1: I got some big news for this minute. Big? It's fairly big. It's shocking news. Will does not like pirates. (laughs) Ah! I mean, after realizing that he has to make the deal with the devil, so to speak, to get Elizabeth back and compromise his morals, you know, all that stuff we see on the HMS Interceptor and making the deal with the Jack in the jail cell. I think this is the reason, you know, it's all of this stuff that's combined that is the reason why we find him in Tortuga now and becoming something he despises more than death. You know, this pirate. Uh Uh-huh. I think he takes this opportunity to show his frustration by throwing a second bucket of water (laughs) on Gibbs. He can't kill them, so maybe just douse them with the water is a good second option.
0: Well, this goes back to the it'll linger from the last minute. It must be the smell.
1: (laughs) I'm sure it is the smell. And
0: and you see how Gibbs just takes it like, "Mm, yep.
1: Well, when you're sleeping with pigs. I probably stink. When you're sleeping with pigs... And you're in the mud, which only accentuates what probably is a ripe pirate smell—not just with Gibbs, but everywhere. I'm thinking, yeah, a bucket of water is definitely a good Could, thing to can do. Can you add
0: some soap with that?
1: I was all, yeah. Well, they should have some soap in there too, for sure. And then while I was doing a little research, we did see that bathing was not always a high priority, but some considered a hazard to one's health. And so now I'm thinking, Will Turner knows this. And he's thinking, okay, yeah, bathing is a hazard to your health. I can't kill pirates with a sword because I've made this kind of crazy deal with Jack. Maybe if I throw a bucket of water on him, he'll catch cold and keel over. (laughs) And I'm able to kill some pirates. You're going to see Will just running around with buckets of water splashing all pirates just to get rid of them. That's his new plan. (laughs) At least that's my guess. So, did you have anything on hazards to one health and bathing or I any do. insight? You do?
0: Yeah, in the in the seventeen Weird, you're not
1: an expert on bathing.
0: Oh, I am. I <laughs> spent 20, 30 minutes in that shower every morning. Jeez, walk the blank.
1: <laughs> this is California. Conserve the water. I know we're in a big rain spell here, but geez. Good job. I enjoy
0: now, my shower. <laughs> now
1: Governor Brown is gonna come out here and fine us for that.
0: He doesn't know where we live. It's okay. Jeez. <laughs> Okay, not 20, 30 minutes.
1: You're right. An hour and 20, 30 minutes. (laughs) Okay, go for it.
0: Back in the 1700s, everyone knew that too much bathing would destroy the natural oils and leave you wide open to the ravages of various diseases.
1: Everyone knew that.
0: Everyone knew that.
1: Well, see, that's probably playing right into this, you know? Gibbs is in the mud and he realizes, yeah, I could probably use the occasional bath, but... They didn't want to do it. So this plays right into my theory. Will wants to get rid of Gibbs. Right. And pirates. So he's going to just use a bucket did. of water.
0: They actually, cleaning would be actually sponging off. But not even your whole body. It would be just be the visual parts. <laughs> yes. Right? It would be your face and your hands, basically. Anything that was visual. Other than that.
1: I can think of a few other wasn't... places you definitely want to wash up on. <laughs>
0: yeah, right? You I know, mean, hands I'm-
1: are good, definitely, especially that time. But I think there was some disease spreading going on there. They didn't really, weren't really big on the hygiene thing, at least preventing diseases because they didn't really have all the understanding of it. So I'm glad that they were at least trying to attempt to sponge their hands a bit.
0: Yeah. In only a few of the better <laughs> right. homes. So, so
1: if you're in a restaurant, then I'm just thinking: was hand washing okay. actually? Against the rules, no, don't hand wash. You could actually poison this guy. We want the filthy, grimy hands to to get this guy. That's just not good. Yeah, everybody think about that.
0: A few of the better homes were actually furnished with um chinaware and wash basins, but those were the better homes, it wasn't even a normal thing in your home. Wow, you know, and then the very few ritzy, high end people, you know, they would have. To have a wooden tub brought in. To actually take a bath. Hmm. And so it was a lot of work. To actually bring the tub in. Heat up all the water in the kitchen. Or in the laundry room.
1: The laundry room? That's
0: what it says. I don't know. Really? Yeah. Well I guess
1: that would make sense. that they Laundry house or the
0: kitchen. And lug the water into the tub. And then it. it, You know. To actually take this bath. It's a huge process. So it is. It was actually only done. Like. Max. Twice a year. Other than that. It was just sponging off. Jesus. Right? Yeah.
1: If you guys want to know what that's like, if you were to visit here, you would see what I go through every day about that. So that's basically Heather's twice a year bath. Even though she claimed the shower, i really living That's yours,
0: dude. Get yeah, you.
1: Get you your grog is all <laughs> I can say. That's how I get through the day with her is to so, get the grog.
0: The 17th century, you didn't really notice the smell of others because everybody smelled. <laughs>
1: So that you could match or
0: 1700s. I'm sorry, 1700s. You didn't really notice the smell of others because everyone smelled. Oh, I'm thinking
1: that that's applicable in the 17th century, unless, the 1600s and the 1700s,
0: <laughs> unless they um, were really, really, really bad.
1: I can't even imagine so what you really didn't, bad you, you didn't the, even notice. The scale on that must have just been crazy, right? If you're regular smelly, you're okay. But if you were really bad, you must have been really bad,
0: right? They had the underclothes. That they'd use to actually to ward off the sweat and stuff on their good clothes. It says a wealthy man might have fifty shirts. Jesus,
1: <laughs> but really? a lady,
0: yes, to uh, so that they can keep from staining. They yeah. can put it on. But a lady, of course, doesn't sweat. They just merely glowed. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> well, so, that yeah. just makes me want to go take a bath right now. Right. It's Not just, a bath, it's even kinda, I was, a shower, yeah. please. A hot shower. I need something that's <laughs> boiling hot.
0: Yeah, so that was kind of interesting. Could you imagine? You're in a you're in the South, where it gets hot in the summer and muggy. No, you know, and you're
1: the south there in the Caribbean. Here, for God's well, sake, well, yeah, it's also even that. there, you know, and it's just. Ugh. And they wanted these formal dances ugh. and things, these yeah. ballroom dances. I mean, who would want that? You think these people would be as far away from each other as possible? Yeah. The party was actually spending time alone. You didn't yeah. even have to smell anybody.
0: That's just, yeah.
1: There you go. All those who want to go back to that time, you need to bring a bucket of deodorant. <laughs> and some, something. Something with you to make you sure you You better bring those plugs too yeah. because
0: it's going to stink.
1: And after Gibbs gets his makeshift bucket of water bath here, we end up in the tavern. And did you know that this tavern actually had a name? No. It's actually called the Faithful Bride Tavern. We actually don't get much of a view besides the inside of the tavern, but it is known as the Faithful Bride Tavern, as I just said. And according to the Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow, The Coming Storm, which was the first book in the series, these kind of young adult books that were part of this expanded universe of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. According to the Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow, The Coming Storm, which is the first book in the young adult series. And then there's some description in the first draft of the screenplay for Pirates of the Caribbean. The faithful bride appeared from the outside to be little more than an oversized shack. It was constructed from the timbers of wrecked boats. It was said that the tavern smelled of tar, salt, seaweed, and fish. I think I'd rather have that, though, than all this other...
0: B.O. smell? Yeah, ah! for
1: saying that. And the roof was noticeably too weak to keep rain from dripping inside the tavern. The sign above the door was a politically incorrect painting of a smiling bride holding a bouquet in her manacled hands. Something about a bride being handcuffed... Just makes you want to go drink there, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I think it really does. You go, yeah, I got to go into there and check that place out. (laughs) That's why she was the Faithful Bride, because he had her handcuffed. The name Faithful Bride originally came from the first screenplay draft of Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. As I just mentioned, there was some of this description of it. And since it had been used in various Pirates material, most notably the Pirates of the Caribbean online game, they actually had kind of become canon, if you will, to this expanded universe of Pirates of the Caribbean. There's also some talk online that The Faithful Bride was thought to be the cantina scene in a future movie, Dead Man's Chest, a Pirates of the Caribbean film. And this was actually mentioned in the complete visual guide, the book. However, in the script for Dead Man's Chest, the place was only called a cantina. So it doesn't really jive with what's going on there. there, So there's definitely some contradictory information out there. So it looks like The Faithful Bride may have just Kind of had this appearance here, even though there's some out there saying that maybe it was in Dead Man's Chest. And I'm not sure if you missed it, but there is a lot of fighting going on in the Faithful Bride.
0: Just a bit.
1: And actually, maybe I should say Tortuga in general. Fighting everywhere going on right now.
0: Maybe the newlyweds aren't getting along in the Faithful Bride.
1: (laughs) That's true. Nobody's getting along in the Faithful Bride. (laughs) With all this fighting we're seeing in the Faithful Bride, the tavern, and in Tortuga, it was actually... Well, I actually came across this fact or factoid or supposed factoid that said more men were killed in tavern brawls than at sea. And I really have no facts to back this up, but it does make sense. I mean, everyone went to a tavern, not just sailors or pirates. So if you kind of combine everybody that's going to a tavern, then yeah, I'm sure with what we're seeing in Tortuga, <laughs> that more people were dying in brawls and taverns than definitely out at sea. For It just seems oh, like yeah. that to me. Well,
0: they were just everywhere. It was chaos. Fighting chaos. Pure chaos yeah. You know, you're trying to have a conversation, but there's all this fighting going on around you. you It reminds me of
1: the show we were, we recently watched Blazing Saddles and everybody starts fighting at the end of the thing. And then it spills over onto the production lot, into the studio, on other (laughs) sets, and then they go out into the streets. It's just, that's what I'm seeing here in Tortuga. It's Mel Brooks' manifestation of Blazing Saddles. It's got to be a reference to Blazing Saddles. (laughs) What's happening here. With all these great sounds that are happening, all these fighting sounds, there's animal sounds in Tortuga that we've heard. I mean, there's really just this really cool ambiance, if you want to call it ambiance. It's not really relaxing sounds, but it really is a cool mixture of all these kinds of sounds that are happening. There is a great use of music in this minute that I found. Specifically, when Jack tells Gibbs he's going after the Black Pearl, kind of all these ambient bar sounds that we heard, the fighting and all these things... You can hear a subtle fade in of a mystical, kind of creepy, almost haunting piece of music that has a low hum or rumble to it that pops up.
0: When they start talking about the black pearl? Yeah, as soon
1: as it's so it's soon as Jack says black pearl, this music really comes in and it hits you with and emphasizes the tales of the black pearl. So it kind of backs up and is a great addition and enhances the ideally, it's the music is is reminding you of all the tales that you've heard about the black pearl. From previous minutes. All these kind of cool things about Crude by the Damned and Captain by a Man So Evil The hell itself spat him back out. I just had to throw it you in because I really like that. throw that in when you... Ever whenever I can. Anytime. I had to bring that back up. But the music just reminds you of that because of the haunting music. So it's like whenever... Well, okay. Another Mel Brooks reference. Whenever you're in Young Frankenstein and you say... What was her name? Uh frow or something i can't oh, yeah. i can't think but then the horse go the horse makes a noise
0: <laughs> what, what does he
1: say dang it i can't think of it right now anyways everybody knows what i'm talking about whenever they say her name the horse the horse neighs that's kind of what's happening here you say the black pearl and then you get this creepy music popping in and it actually reminded me of the fogbound track in the opening of the movie you know while we were on the dauntless you had this low hum rumble Kind of music that was taking place as you're rolling through the fog. It's kind of spookiness to it. And that was called Fogbound. And that track actually begins with a light cello jig before descending into plotting a suspenseful theme that incorporates a bunch of woodwinds that are later used to denote the Black Pearl and its cursed crew. The theme reaches a suspenseful climax before leading into the film's love theme that continues on until the end of the track. So that's what we heard in the beginning. Here, because I thought that's actually where it went was... That whole fog-bound scene. But actually, this particular track that happens in this kind of undertone, this kind of background fade-in, is called The Dark Ship. And really, it's appropriately named since it is played when the Black Pearl is thrown out in conversation. But this track begins calmly, leading into a creepy climax that continues until the end of the track. And the first part of this underscores Jack's conversation with Gibbs and Tortuga. And then we're going to see the second part of this, Dark Ship come up when we actually get aboard the Black Pearl here coming up yeah. in a future minute. So they're using this whole piece to actually span a couple of different scenes and locations as it as it goes into that. And I'll kind of describe that as we get there. But I thought it was just really a cool, nice way to highlight the creepy factor. Again, we have all this kind of comedy going on, the action in Tortuga. And then when Jack mentions the Black Pearl, we come back to that kind of creepy curse And everything that we've seen in the plot of the movie is centered around some of this. And so the movie really accentuates that. Since we're talking about the music here, it's probably appropriate to mention that the music of the film and this soundtrack album are credited to composer Klaus Bedelt. I'm not really sure how he pronounces it. I'm probably slaughtering it. I'm really notorious for (laughs) slaughtering names. And then producer Hans Zimmer. Zimmer probably is more familiar with most of us. And... A turning point in Zimmer's career came in 1988 when he was asked to score Rain Man for director Barry Levinson. The film went on to win an Oscar for Best Picture of the Year and earned Zimmer his first Academy Award nomination for the Best Original Score. The next year, Zimmer composed the score for another Best Picture Oscar recipient, Driving Miss Daisy. Having already scored two Best Picture winners in the early 1990s, Zimmer cemented his position as a preeminent talent with award-winning scores for The Lion King as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that soundtrack has sold over 15 million copies, and this information may be actually a few years old. So it'll be interesting to see what happened with that. But it earned him an Academy Award for Best Original Sound, a Golden Globe, and an American Music Award, plus a Tony and two Grammy Awards. Pretty crazy for what he got for that. In total, Zimmer's work has been nominated for seven Golden Globes, seven Grammys, seven Oscars for Rain Man, Gladiator, The Lion King, As Good As It Gets, The Preacher's Wife, The Thin Red Line, The Prince of Egypt, and The Last Samurai. As I said, some of this information may be old. I didn't really look up some of the more recent nominations. But he really has had quite the prolific career. And that's pretty much a ubiquitous name, I think, if anybody who's following films and music, besides Heather over here, knows Hans Zimmer. (sighs) Then Bedelt, Klaus Bedelt, as I was talking about, or whatever his name is, I'm sure I'll figure it out at some point.
0: Told you, too much grog.
1: Yeah, too much grog. Uh, He's probably a bit more unfamiliar to the masses, and in 1998, Oscar-winning composer Hans Zimmer actually invited him to join his media ventures in Santa Monica, and since then, Kloss has composed scores on his own film and television projects, as well as collaborating with Zimmer and other composers. Besides some of those I mentioned in Zimmer's resume, Badelt Badelt, has 80 composer credits to his name, and his latest is in pre-production for a release in 2019, which is How to Train Your Dragon 3.
0: Oh, wow. That's
1: great. I don't have too much more. I just really wanted to get kind of back to Gibbs and talking about the Black Pearl. And if you have anything, throw it in, Heather. But when Jack mentions the Black Pearl, we were just talking about the music and how that comes in. But actually, Gibbs chokes when he hears.
0: Oh, yeah. He chokes on his drink.
1: Yeah. When he hears Jack say the Black Pearl, (laughs) especially that he's going to go get the Black Pearl back. It's like, what what the hell? (laughs) And what I thought was funny here. In this whole scene, and it gets back to what we talked about too in Gibbs' character and his superstitious nature. There's no need to convince Gibbs that the tales of the pearl are true. He already assumed that they were, everything is true. Unlike Jack, who had this kind of apprehension, he had this disbelief, or he was a little bit skeptical on, you know, are all these tales really true or are they just embellishments? You know, the pirate, the whole pirate thing of the reputation can help us get ships and loot and all the stuff we want without actually having to fight because they'll just surrender to us it's that whole reputation precedes us we'll use intimidation to get what we want, and we'll hopefully spare some lives and won't have our pirate crew killed and we won't be in danger ourselves right and that's what i think jack maybe thought about the black pearl is that yeah there is they are evil of course and they're doing some bad things as part of the black pearl was he was a pirate he knows what pirates do but he didn't realize that a lot of the stories of the curses were true. And that's where we get back to him and Keeler in the cell talking about that. Like, oh, it is true. Very interesting. It's very interesting. Gibbs didn't go through any of that. There's no, oh, the tales are true. He mentions yeah. it and he's just like, okay, yeah. Because <laughs> Sparrow didn't even have to explain. Well, we don't really get there yet, do we? We don't get to the nod yet.
0: Well, it says, you know better than me, the tales of the Black Pearl, Gibbs says to Jack.
1: Yeah, so Gibbs, yeah, he's already believing in it. He right. doesn't need any explanation. They are, as far as he concerns, all true to begin with. Unlike Jack, who needed some proof when he sees the skeleton hand. Then yeah. he's like, okay, now the connection and the dots are made. Now they're all true. Now I can formulate my plan. That This is why Bootstrap or Will Turner is going to be important to this as we'll maybe find out. Gibbs, on the other hand, is sold from the beginning. He's sold when he first heard the tales of the Black Pearl. Yeah, and that's it.
0: That's just Gibbs nature though.
1: That's right. He's, He's just super that superstitious person. Everything's bad luck. Yeah. And so he just goes along with it and he just assumed that they were. So I thought that that was pretty kind of telling character with him that he already didn't have convincing. And so it's it's just neat that the writers are able to take that character development into account. And we don't have to have him try and say that there's any explanation of why it's true or to prove that it's true. It's simply a matter of fact with Gibbs.
0: Yeah. Did you notice that Gibbs mug is a lot smaller
1: than Jack's? I did only because you mentioned something about that. the size. Which I don't know why that would be. I mean, well, I mean, I guess I think from a practical standpoint that there probably wasn't just a big warehouse where you were getting a bunch of mugs Uh, and tankards at the time. So you probably had just a bunch of different sizes and maybe somebody who's an expert in what, not antique almonds and armory, but antique taverns and (laughs) drinks could tell us but i assume that there's probably everybody in there almost has a different mug or tankard if you want to call it that in the in that place
0: well were they like his uh, flask is made of leather were the tankards made of leather
1: that's a good question i don't know i mean i I couldn't tell you couldn't
0: tell that well i know that his flask was i read that his flask was made of leather
1: i i uh, imagine maybe wood is probably what they maybe they were carved wood and stuff yeah so that's a good point. Huh. I don't know really what it was. And I didn't really check. I it I think maybe when I'm listening to the sound, I'm trying to remember the sound in a future minute when they kind of clank and do that. Maybe yeah. it was more of a wood sound. Okay. It sounded like, but I'd have to go listen to it listen again. To it again. Yeah. So I'm not claiming I know anything about that and what they were made of. It'd be pretty interesting to find out, though.
0: So while we're speaking of Gibbs. But
1: before you go on, it seems like Gibbs would have the would want the one that's the bigger mug. Or the tankard, wherever we'll just call it a mug because it's easier than saying tankard the whole time or whatever the heck that is. But maybe they know him at the bar or gives, yeah, he's gypped us so many times on the pay. So they're just giving him the smaller one or he's going to be back. Well, he won't even know the difference if we give him a smaller one now. I don't know what it is, but yeah.
0: Well, Jack, it's been a while since Jack's had some rum.
1: Yeah, it has been. We haven't seen him have rum. Actually, we haven't actually seen him have any rum in the movie. Right. I so assume when he was on the Jolly controls. Mon, well, he had some because
0: it a big old jug.
1: We assume but, that was rum, not water, because yeah. that's just the pirate way.
0: But after that, you don't see any.
1: That's right. So yeah. I'm assuming, yeah, that Jack is is he needed the rum to get him through the day. And he hadn't had any well, so he needed the bigger cup. They were probably yeah. fighting over it at the bar. Like, probably. Ah, I get the bigger one. I haven't had rum in days.
0: <laughs> so my transition. Speaking of... Gibbs here.
1: (laughs) So you announced your transition. Nice job.
0: That's because you ran over it earlier.
1: Okay. (laughs) Go back to the other show yesterday and, and you'll hear why we're talking about transition.
0: McNally, he decided to actually look like a hillbilly for a year while taping this movie rather than having hair glued to his face every day.
1: I can imagine. So that's
0: why he grew his beard. He didn't want to deal with that. I don't
1: think he looks like a hillbilly, though. He may he, have described He himself- said it.
0: He described himself as a hillbilly. He said he'd rather look like a hillbilly for a year than to have them glue the hair to his face every day when he's taping.
1: Well, especially if they're having early morning scenes like at 3 a.m. to sleep with yeah. the pigs. He's thinking, wait, I could get some extra sleep and not have to be there while they're gluing a prosthetic hair, hair to my face yeah. and putting these fake... Facial hair on. Yeah. And he was the smart one.
0: Yep. They did create an interesting tan line when he went back to England after the taping oh, of the movie. It. Yeah. He said he had, his t- His face was all nicely tan, except for these white stripes on the oh, side, of his, it? On the side of his face. He should have just stuck with that
1: look, though. But I guess as an actor, he'd have to get rid of that because you couldn't... Keep it and then you're going to show up in the next thing and they're like, no, we can't have like these mutton chops kind of beard thing going on. And so then he'd shave it and he'd have like this white yeah, <laughs> untanned area. He, it's like well, a farmer tan for England, the Well, if he in England,
0: he'd have to wait till that tan went away anyway.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because they're
0: not. I mean, most of the time what are you it's, saying? it's overcast in England.
1: What are you saying? That they're just not tan there?
0: Yeah. Arrgh! So, uh.
1: Another Heather disparages the English culture <sighs> moment.
0: Whatever. Whatever. No, that's not it.
1: Okay. All you friends out there listening in the UK, I do apologize for Heather's blatant disregard for your lack of sun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I send my son to the UK all the time. I say, here, take the heat and the sun. <laughs> Gibbs's accent, uh, per McNally, is actually. Crusty, based somewhat on Robert Newton from Treasure Island.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: And Robert Shaw, as Quint from Jaws. Oh, you
1: gotta love Robert Shaw. You know that's like one of my top movies. I know Jaws.
0: So that's how he got the voice of.
1: Well, it works. Gibbs here. You know, I, actually, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I've really heard Kevin McNally, or at least I've never processed it. I'd have to go and look him up in something else to see what he normally sounds like without having a pirate inflected voice. <laughs> I need to do that. Actually, yeah, I'd have to look back because I can't think of it right now. So I'll have to to check something out and see what he actually sounds like. trying to think now. I just don't. I can't picture it. No. I guess I shouldn't picture that. I should actually picture hearing it if that makes sense to anybody. (laughs) Remember hearing it.
0: remember hearing (laughs) it. Oh, I forgot to say, his beard actually reminds me of Wolverine.
1: Oh, yeah, it does. The
0: same look as Wolverine has.
1: That's right. And there you go. That is a moment of all craziness that Heather actually referenced an X-Men movie. I
0: like Wolverine. I like X-Men.
1: There you go. I didn't really realize that.
0: I do. You know that. McNally said that Ted and Terry's writing and Gore's direction, they were most interested in the characters. Even though there were massive scenes and sets around them, the real meat of the movie was actually the characters and getting down to the talking and plan and plotting and just being pirates
1: yeah that's right i think that's correct
0: yeah rather than the scene they didn't that's make right. a big deal about the scene or the fighting or any of this it was more
1: yeah it was a fairly backgroundish kind of thing it's characters. not something that you i mean you saw some of it and there was some kind of focusing in or lingering on some of that scene but you didn't it wasn't i don't think the the scene stealer it was more background action
0: right So that's my facts on on Gibbs.
1: Is that your facts on everything for this episode? So are you pretty much done? Yes. I am too. So I think we should just wrap this up and call it a day. We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 54 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Have something to say? Then give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. If you like the show, then do us a favor and leave a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can also contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, and on soundcloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have post-episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.